I hope that like you're filling in my holes and maybe I can <laughs> have yours filled in. Like, I don't even know. Enough chit chat. Let's get down to business. Let's do it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Formula America podcast. We're your host, Kurt and Dylan. And today we're back and going to do our best to attempt to unpack this wild and crazy roller coaster every weekend that is the Azerbaijan GP. Uh, it was one of those where it's like, like I said, highs and lows, like just like a roller coaster. It started with FP1, the one and only practice session on Friday, and then it rolled straight into Grand Prix quality and then another quality and then a sprint race and then a race. It was just like, it was relentless. I feel like it was a lot going on. It was a ton. The only thing I'm grateful for at this point is that it was on Azerbaijan time, which meant basically I could wake up in the morning, like Saturday morning, I woke up and watched sprint quality and ro rolled right into the sprint race and just kind of knocked it all out at once. But God, dog, there's a lot going on. Yeah, that was trying to, to keep up with it. It was tough. Um, but so we're going to, we'll start off and we'll, we'll talk about the new formats, the format changes to the sprint weekend. There's a lot to unpack just in that alone. Um, we'll try to give our takes on that. You know, what, what was a hit? What was a miss? And then we'll go into talking about the shootout, the, the, the sprint race, and then onto the race. And, uh, we'll, we'll do our best to keep it all in order. Cause like I said, it was a lot going on and a lot bouncing around. Yeah, it, a lot, a lot of notes here. Trying to trying to keep it as straight as possible. We might have to do a couple of podcasts, do a high level overview on this one, and then jump into some of the details because there's a ton of interesting stuff that happened. Like if you're if you're really watching and paying attention, there's some good drama going on. There's issues with cars going on. There's cars that were looking quick but not performing. There was a lot of good nitty gritty on a track that exposed cars in different ways. Like it was really good. For the sake of a race weekend review, I think we kind of have to stay at a high level. Otherwise, it's going to be a four-hour-long podcast. Right. We are not Joe Rogan. We're not going to no. sit here for hours on mushrooms. I mean, we probably could, but I'd have to take breaks and rewatch highlights and like. All right. Well, let's let's just start from the beginning. Let's dive in. Friday FP one, which started off quite literally with a bang. With a bang. <laughs> yeah man so i mean this fp1 normally fp1s are pretty mundane they're they're yeah. pretty boring it's kind of a wash like i said in the last one something i'll have on in the background but being said this is the only practice these guys were getting it was like it was for all the marbles and it was almost like over the course of these last four weeks like people forgot how to drive formula one cars almost and, and you everyone had... brought upgrades to the table, big upgrades. Like <laughs> right. we're going to do a whole nother podcast on upgrades, but like Red Bull had brand new side pods, like a whole side pod, completely new, like McLaren brand new floor. Like these cars had huge upgrades that you got to figure out how to drive again on a street circuit. And you got <laughs> 60 minutes. That's it. Man. And if your engine catches on fire, you don't even have that. Well, all right. So starting off with FP1. We had Carlos Sainz hitting the wall and turn six and seven, you know, just cutting it in a little too sharp. And that was interesting because that was something that was kind of Common. would play out throughout the entire weekend is, yeah. you know, guys, I guess, trying to use the entire track and especially like on the inside apex of a turn, just nicking it a little too much <laughs> like Nick DeBreeze did yeah, later on. We'll get to that. <laughs> see what you did there. And then like checko did like signs did a couple of times stroll did it uh max did it i mean yep. i think everyone kissed 
the apex or X, you know, going on the way out at some point. Yep. Then we had, you know, after Carlos signs, he had his, which is actually, you know, kind of a big one left a almost like a hole in the wall at that yeah. part. Um, didn't really cause much damage though to the car, if any. And then you had Yuki Sonoda, his first time getting rid of one of his wheels where he just comes out of turn three, which turn three was kind of like, it, turn three probably got more action yeah. on this weekend that turn three barrier than anything else like it was wild and turn 15 is the most complex uh breaking zone on the whole track but that was like a non-issue turn three was where all of the action happened right yuki went in there hit it with the right rear lost his wheel um and then shortly after that so that was the first red flag mm-hmm. and then shortly after that you get gasly coming out and he's on fire which, literally, <laughs> literally on fire. Another red flag. Um, then we got to at see the a same bit. time. Devries, no, because the Gasly Devries happened at the same time, triggering the red flag. Which Devries? Which one was that? I'm sorry, uh, K Mag, not Devries. I'm getting okay. my crashes mixed up. K Mag's <laughs> um, engine failure and Gasly at the same time. Red flag. Yep. Um, then. Which got- not an ominous start to the weekend when a Ferrari engine just loses power. <laughs> it's, you, know, you know, every single person with a Ferrari engine was just like, shit. Not again. <laughs> we just need one. We need to just finish a race. Oh, man. Then so after that, it kind of settled down a little bit. But you did get to see a little bit of um, an issue that would persist to the next day, which was Aston Martin with their DRS issue. Yep. Fernando came on talking about he could see in his mirrors his flap wasn't opening up. And that was something that we saw, you know, the following day in the shootout. Um, and I I want to say they got it fixed for the sprint. I don't recall it happening in the sprint. but No, it was fixed for the sprint. There definitely might have been some bad blood back there, but they got it fixed. Man, all right. So on from there, quali, GP qualifying. Well, hang on. I want to talk about one thing on the, on the FP1. Um, the big thing, the big losers in FP1 though were Alpine as a whole. Ocon had his car up on blocks almost the whole practice. I think he had four or five uh laps total. And then Gasly had the engine complete failure, you know, melted the whole thing, flames shooting out of the intake and out of the exhaust. Um, which as they went in and like sprayed it down with all that soapy uh fire extinguisher, and it you saw it pouring out of the inlet and into the cockpit of the car. I was just sitting there watching it being like that poor dude that has to clean the car, (laughs) all that ash and just pouring into the cockpit. I was like, Ooh, I wonder if you get like a new seat or. Somebody's going to be like head first down into that cockpit. Yeah. (laughs) Just trying to scrub it all out. Yeah, it was. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, Alpine definitely came out as the big losers in, in FP1. McLaren came out looking pretty good. The car, yeah. largely, you couldn't see a lot of differences from it, but it, it definitely seemed well. The rhetoric from the team was they're they all very happy with it. Um, you know, Red Bull looked great. Mercedes, I think we kind of, after FP1, I was really kind of going back on my prediction podcast the day before because I was expecting them to do well, but I forgot how draggy that car is. Yeah, right. And when right. you have a two kilometer mile and change straight away. They were hurting on top speed bad. Like, oh, yeah. um, Haas was setting some really fast blistering times. Red Bulls of course were, but it was clear that Mercedes was not 
going to have a lot of luck down that straightaway. Yep. And um, we saw that with both Mercedes power cars, the Mercedes and the McLaren later on in the race as well. They just yep. didn't have what it took to Very pass. draggy setup cars. So um, I think that was kind of an ominous start for FP1 and for the weekend. So we go in, roll straight into GP Quali. Which I thought for, and we could talk about this later, but as far as the new format, I really liked how there was only one practice and then it's straight into something that matters. I thought that was pretty cool. Ah, man, I don't know. I I think I would have liked one more practice in there for the sake of the teams, like just scram, like it made it a lot of fun, but I think there were so many technical things that were missed out on just due to having one single practice. I liked it. I I liked that bit of jeopardy and added level of strategy. I mean, especially on a course starting from the damn pit lane on (laughs) race day because of it. Like, or, or maybe we need to change the definition of park Ferme. Like when you can no longer make change ups, change setups to the car. I think maybe that needs to be, if we're going to do one practice, you got to let them make changes as they continue to learn. Like, right. Which I is also interesting too, because if they do make a change, now they can't test that change. Yep. It's all based on theory at that point. But so I think that, that needs to be that. allowed. If you're, if you're going to take away all the practices, you got to let them still make changes to the cars they learn throughout the weekend. Um, Without such a heavy-handed penalty. Yep. So, but anyway, we roll into qualification, quality. And out of the gate, Nick DeVries is in the wall. Red flag. Um, first lap. Third turn of qualifying. <laughs> and just went in way too hot. <laughs> Was no chance of making that turn. There's a giant runoff area. You can just go straight. Yeah. Not a big deal, but straight into the wall it's like he's just like ah cold tires who cares (laughs) just send it into this turn and he was complaining about break by wire issues um but that doesn't really it it just he went way too hot yes and then what i thought was kind of funny and looking back at the highlights it was kind of like an ominous foreshadowing is right before uh quali started uh, Pierre Gasly is like, oh, I want to give a big shout out, big thanks to all the mechanics for putting the car back together. Three laps later, <laughs> he just takes the whole right side of the car off. <laughs> like, I love the they went to a slow mo of one of his mechanics. <laughs> yeah, hands on his head, just like oh, <laughs> whole right side of the car was gone. <laughs> like he was like, oh, I think there was a few things that did not have new parts on it, so uh, I just want to get those taken care of. Jeez, man, that was sign spun out, kissed the wall like again. So that's yep. two sessions in a row. He, I mean, it was not a good weekend for signs, and it was a total weekend to forget for Gasly. Yes, for sure. Yeah, Gasly didn't do too well ending the last race and didn't or last race weekend and didn't do too well starting this race weekend. <laughs> so bad no. luck continues for him. Um, McLaren looked good though. They were up into the top 10. They were lapping effectively. Like the car looked, you know, it wasn't going to be competing with the top three by any means, but they looked like a competitive team again. Um, and the atmosphere around McLaren seemed to be a whole hell of a lot more upbeat than, you know, the previous races where it was just like survive. Right. Yeah. And it was, you know, by all accounts, it seems like they, from what they're saying, came today or came to Azerbaijan with the car that they wanted to start the season with. So essentially, they're 
you know, four races behind everybody else. So now it's just a matter of how quickly they can make up that difference and, and get back on pace with everybody else. But they were they were looking good this weekend, which I, I was glad to see. They were. Um, so going out of GP quality, the first five people out were Joe Hulkenberg, Magnuson, Gasly, and DeVries. Gasly, DeVries, obviously, for, you know, not having whole cars anymore. Um, you know, Haas wasn't, Haas was fast down the straightaway. That long straight, they had a hell of a top speed, but it was like they couldn't put the rest of the, right. the lap together. Um, so we go into Q2. Signs still looks terrible. Like, cannot get a lap worthwhile to save his life. And Leclerc is crushing it. It is oh, yeah. looking good for Leclerc. It's looking very 2022. Yep. He had, he had one hell of a weekend. When it he came did. to his single lap pace. He did. It was awesome. Um, and Sonoda was looking fast. He, that, they're one of the ones that I think really kind of missed out this weekend. The Alpha Tauri looked quick and it looked good. Um, the drivers just kept breaking parts on it. <laughs> like when they would put lap times on the board, they're in the top 10. I actually thought Alpha Tauri looked competitive and should be competing in the midfield as opposed to the back of the pack. They, they looked really good, but they just did not have drivers that could put a lap together to save their lives. Right. Yeah. Which is a shame to see, but hopefully they'll pull it together. I'm just, I, I'm starting to lose uh, faith in Nick DeVries. I had high hopes at the beginning of the season, but he's just not, not cutting it right now. No, not, not even, it's not good. <laughs> he's playing very much the rookie yeah. um, for all the experience that he has. He needs to be competing better. He's definitely picking up where Latifi left off. Yeah, he is. Um, so Q2 ends. We have signs, or not signs, I'm sorry, Sergeant, Botas, Albon, Ocon, and George Russell go out. First George. time Mercedes didn't make it into Q3. Yep. Um, just yep. a draggy car, man. First time George has been out-qualified by Lewis all year. Yep. And it's just not a not a good start for him either. Yeah. Um, going into Q3, cool thing happens. Max and Leclerc set the exact same lap time, 0.000 difference. Yep. 6.003 kilometer track, the most different cars on the entire lineup. And you set identical times. That's insane. It is. And, and they were fast in different parts of the track too. Yeah. Which is crazy. And it's, I don't, that was awesome. And that gave a lot of hope being like, oh, well maybe, you know, Ferrari, they might be up there with the Red Bulls, but you, you forget about that race pace and the difference yeah. that, you know, it makes over the course of an actual race. But yeah, man, yeah. Leclerc was looking good. And, you know, he's quali qualified on pole, like we said, two years in a row so far. And so to see it happening again was pretty, pretty cool to see. It's just fun to see, you know, the underdog. Charlotte Claire came into this race with six points total. Yeah. And it's just like he needed this win, I think, personally, just for his own, you know, psyche. He just needed this little bit of, of positivity and sunshine in his life. <laughs> he absolutely did. Um, and I, I saw some heavy rumors. We could probably do a whole nother episode on it about him in talks with Mercedes. Right. Yeah. I kept seeing that, too. Um, that would be interesting. But, yeah, I, I think he desperately needed this. He took pole. Totally deserved it. Um, just set a perfect lap. He actually outperformed the Red Bulls in every single sector 
of the entire lap, which was, it's impressive. Yeah, for sure. Um, I thought for GP quality, there was a bit of a, of a blank space for Fernando Alonso and, uh, you know, Aston Martin with the DRS issues. Um, you know, I think that it was, uh, you know, they're just having issues. It's still a fast car. They're in Q3. Um, but they, they couldn't get the the rear flap to open up. So they're qualifying a little further down than I think most people expected. Yeah. Um, and no one really talked about it either. Um, it was just kind of, you know, no one said where they were and just left it. I, I might be wrong on this, I, but I think I remember seeing, didn't Lance Stroll also set an exact time with, was it one of the McLarens? Uh, I didn't see if he did. I totally missed it. And cause they were saying, hold on, let me look at it. I got it right here. Were we on the Grand Prix qualifying? Yeah. Okay. So, and this is pretty interesting. So Lance Stroll and Oscar Piastri also set the exact same time. Oh, sure enough. Check that out. In Q3. And so the the kind of running joke at the time was that the new McLaren is just as fast as the Aston Martin <laughs> without DRS. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> which, you know, it's a it's an upgrade for McLaren, I guess. But Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a good qualifying session overall, kind of. Seems to be the typical uh, run for this year as a whole, where it seems like um, the the beginning sessions of all of these, the lower pack cars tend to crash out. And then once you get to the upper end cars that have it more figured out, you don't have as much drama going on. Yep. Well, let's move on to Saturday. Sprint race. Take it away. Sprint race. So Saturday we had the sprint shootout or sprint quality, whatever we're calling this thing now. And we've got SQ1, America's homie, Logan Sargent, turn 15, just putting it right into the wall. And turn 15, like we said earlier, turn 15 is pretty technical, but turn three was getting a lot of the action leading up yeah. to this point. Turn 15 had a few things here and there, but turn 15 took Logan Sargent out and wound up basically ruining his entire day because he yep. was not able to get his car fixed and had to sit out for the sprint. So he still hasn't done a sprint race in uh formula one. Um, the other thing I saw that was interesting, you know, the whole sprint shootout really was, you know, kind of uneventful, especially yep. compared to the previous day. Um, but once you got the SQ two, I thought it was interesting to see Alonzo giving stroll that toe because again, they're, they had DRS issues so Alonzo giving Stroll the toe, which allowed him to make it into or out of SQ2, which. Yeah, it was super anti-hero of, uh, you know, Alonzo. <laughs> I think that this whole weekend. <laughs> oh, Dylan goes to one Taylor Swift concert <laughs> and all of a sudden you've dropped two so far. Um, <laughs> it's been more than that, bro. Come on, catch oh, up. I'm, Fernando's I'm, on his own love story here. I'm lacking, man, <laughs> on my Taylor Swift knowledge. But but he's like become this like phoenix rising out of the ashes. And this whole weekend, we'll get into it during the race. It's just like this Fernando story just keeps getting better. And and some of his radio messages, which we'll talk about when we talk about or get to the race. It's just it's heartwarming. Yes. <laughs> it's like he shook off the old Alonzo. <laughs> Oh my god! 
If they're actually dating, it's going to be amazing. I love how he uh, they were asking him questions and he wouldn't <laughs> answer the question. <laughs> He's like, yeah, Baku is very, very complex. They're like, no, oh. it's, you know. He's awesome because he knows he could just say flat out no or not. But yes. Or yes, we are, whatever. But it's probably they're not dating. But the fact that he's playing into it by not answering the questions, I love it. I love it's it. So good. <laughs> it's it's the thought of them dating is also absolutely hysterical. All five foot five of Alonzo and six foot tall of <laughs> Taylor and heels. Like I would love to see that uh, picture together. And oh then I would just love to hear how it started. You know, Alonzo just totally slid into her DMs. Like probably. It, She's like, who is this guy? <laughs> I. I hope she's in Miami this weekend. (laughs) There's a chance. There is a chance she could be there. (laughs) Sorry, I can't help myself. I've got a whole tab of Taylor Swift songs pulled up because I don't know any of them. So I'm reading the names and trying to figure out how to fit it in. (laughs) Okay. At the end, you're just going to be saying names names of songs. Yeah, I've kind of threw all of the, the... you know, yeah, I don't really know. Any of these, you went for you know. the easy one. See, now you got to, now you got to. I'm going to have to work a little bit harder at these. Uh, <laughs> you know, look oh, what you shit. made me do here. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> I think we're at SQ2. SQ1. No. Yeah, SQ2, uh, Alonzo told Stroll. Yes, Stroll. he told Stroll um, because Stroll needed it and Alonzo didn't. Yeah, Landon Norris got all the way up. Um to uh 10 oh we're i'm so sorry we were talking about the format um it was super interesting having the time cut down so hard Mm -hmm. um i definitely think it made i actually liked that format a whole lot more than the standard qualifying i think it put a lot more um pressure on the teams to just like get the cars out there and start setting laps like not long stints in the middle of everyone just sitting in the pits like i think it added to the strategy that on a track where people are crashing constantly like you need to get out there and set a time because the odds of someone throwing a yellow flag while you're going through a sector are high yep and so they threw more fuel in the cars you had less pit stops and fresh tires um, which they needed because they were blowing through tires left right and center um, to get through all these qualities and whatnot and, you know, got out there and started setting laps. I actually really liked the short and quality, uh, setup. So did I, that was entertaining to watch. And like you said, the biggest part was it got rid of all that downtime. Yep. And, and that's the worst part about qualifying is, you know, when you're watching on record, you could just scroll through until you get to the part where everybody goes out at one time. And mm-hmm. I just enjoyed that. It made it a lot more meaningful. I thought. Yeah, it was quicker. And honestly, I think this is a great um, trial run because if you look at GP quality and sprint quality right next to each other, everyone is largely in the same position. It didn't really help or hinder anybody. Um, and the results came out very, very similar. Yep. Um, so I think you kind of had a more entertaining layout with similar results, which, you know, in itself is, you know, I wouldn't mind that being the normal. Yeah, for sure. And then you got to see that because um, Lando Norris made it through to SQ3, but didn't have the tires to compete mm-hmm. in SQ3. So he had to sit it out. Because the rules said you had to have a fresh new set. And he burned them in the GP quality. And they came over the radio and asked Lando, 
because he was setting good times and moving up the charts and was happy with the car. If he wanted to burn his last set of softs and he was like, yes, I do. And so he threw softs on, he improved his time and got further up the grid for race day, but now he can't race for, um, you know, SQ three. So that was a tactical decision on his part. I think it was, yeah, super smart, but definitely, you know, a lot of background considerations going on. Yep. So we end SQ2, SQ3, everything is pretty hunky-dory as usual, largely same results. Leclerc's on pole. Perez um, pipped out Max. George Russell came up to fourth place. Carlos, Lewis, Alex Albon in that Mercedes in P7. Fernando Alonso down in eighth, and then Lance Stroll in ninth. Alex Albon in that Mercedes-powered Williams. Mercedes-powered Williams. That Williams was quick, too, especially yeah. down the back straight. Yep. Well, that gets us into sprint. Oh, and it was fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the sprint race. I did too. It was a good. It was a good race. Um, that start for me was was everything. It was awesome. Yeah. Talk about Red Bull's new side pod. Well, Russell saw that new side pod and said he exposed <laughs> the insides of that yeah. new side pod. But man, what good racing! I mean, we talked about it in the four in the uh, prediction podcast that you can go three cars wide through the first couple of turns, and Max and George put yeah. that to the test and were side by side through the first three ninety degree turns, giving it their all and like kind of swapping nose to nose through it. It was awesome racing. Um, I. I I think that Max got a little bit of a taste of his own medicine on that. That's right? exactly right. And he came through or he came after the fact and you saw the interaction with him and George Russell. Um, Hypocrisy at its finest. For sure. And to me, what it looked like was you're in a sprint race, right? And so he was not willing to concede, even though by all accounts, turn three, that was George Russell's corner. He, he already apex. owned that turn. He had the apex, um, but Max didn't want to back out of it. And it seemed to me like that was Max of like 2019 driving, not two-time world champion Max, right? Yep. Because it, it was almost like you need to know <clears throat> you need to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, right? He's got a much quicker car than George did. And you got a two-mile straightaway, you're gonna blow his doors off exactly in one minute. Like so, imagine imagine this: if he would have got put into the wall and when he did hit the wall, but imagine if he would have broke something or whatever happened and he DNF'd on that sprint race. Yep. He would be behind uh, Sergio Perez right now in the championship. And it, it was almost like he didn't like, I, I guess the emotions got the most of him. His kind of hot headed temper kind of came up that he's been able to suppress for so long. Um, but man, when George Russell got in there, he should have backed out. He would have passed him, but mm -hmm. he didn't want to. And now, you know, he saw he came in P3 and he's very close now to losing, you know, losing out on that P1 spot in the championship. I think George Russell wrapped up the way he that Max handled it the best afterwards in the media pit. He said, you know, something to the effect of I'm not going to just concede because it's Max Verstappen in a Red Bull. Yeah. And that's exactly how I thought Max was driving. Max was driving like I am Max. I am a, the Red Bull. I am everything. Yeah. And you need to give me this corner on merit alone. Right. And George was like, no, I don't. And that's that's but that was how I thought Max was racing. Very self-conceited, very just thought he it was his because it is Max Verstappen in a Red yep. Bull. And so I, I thought he got a great taste of his own medicine. You know, he lost out on points. Um, I, I 
thought is very well deserved. Yeah. Great super, racing too. Super entertaining. I loved it. It was awesome. Great racing. Um, you know, and then uh get back to my notes. The Red Bull and Ferrari speed was was pretty impressive. Like when they got to the back straight with the DRS, you look, they just can't compare. Right. But when Ferrari, when Leclerc was able to stay within a second of Perez and get DRS, Max couldn't run down the Ferrari. And even like, as they drifted back a little bit, um, the Ferrari had great speed is very reminiscent of 2022. We're like the Red Bulls are going to win out, mm-hmm. but Ferrari's not far off the pace. Well, we also can't, you know, overlook the fact that he had a gaping hole in his side pod. Yes. But he's still, even Checo wasn't pulling, pulling away as much. And I think that, you know, uh, probably Charles Leclerc was overdriving his tires for, and we yes. got to see that because he wasn't backing out or he wasn't, you know, Checo wasn't pulling away. And then once his tires, Charles Leclerc's tires started to go off, Checo started, you know, making, yep. you know, strides on him. Um, but also we can't look over the fact that lap one of the sprint, Yuki Sonoda, again just yeets right into the wall and just loses his right wheel tire and you, right rear tire and you see that that video of it just cuts to a tire going down the track yes. you're like what happened who was it the carcass of a tire it's <laughs> yeah, just like exactly. it's just the husk and then oh it's yuki again <laughs> just not even which i think and then they, they were really slow on how to handle it are we gonna do a yellow sector and then a vsc yeah. and then a sc and then uh like it was very slow. Yep, and I, I think they ended up going back and saying that it was caused by um, contact with Nick DeVries that was actually Nick's fault a couple yep. of corners before, which another strike on Nick, if that is the case. Um, it's not It's not looking good for Mr. DeVries here. No, and, and I, I think this very much goes hand-in-hand hand with when you and I did twice now, we've done kind of our driver pairing um, breakdowns and ratings. Um and I think that Alpha Tauri, for as bad as they were last year, have brought a pretty good car to the track this year. They're limiting factors. They have such green drivers that they're yeah. not extracting the pace out of that car. Yep. And, you know, we've talked about Nick and his issues. Yuki, we've got onto a little bit. Yuki has shown strides and tons of improvement. He's just so inconsistent, like we keep saying. If he can, which, you know, looking back at it, Max used to be very inconsistent as well. Um, so as long as Yuki can kind of get that maturity pretty quickly and, and be consistent up that consistency, I think Yuki's got a, a good future. Um, but I just, you know, right now I think Nick would need a complete 180 degree turnaround, um, in order to be successful. Cause right now it looks like, you know, maybe he's not the one. Yeah. It's you're, and you're owned by a team that will fire you yes. faster than anybody else. Yeah. Ruthless. Um, it is absolutely ruthless up there. If you're in, you know, Williams, not, not to look down on Williams in any way, but they tend to give the drivers a whole lot more chances. Yeah, how long is full base teams? The, you're, you're gone, man. Yeah. How long is Latifi at Williams? <laughs> yeah. No kidding. The goat. Um, so after we, you know, safety car releases, um, Max runs him down, uh, runs down George Russell and did a really tactical cool pass because in the rules, when you're un- when a safety car comes in, you have your pack leader win can release, but you're not allowed to pass mm-hmm. until the start finish line. And so Max timed it 
beautifully. And you actually see if you're watching on the onboard, he let out of the gas as they crossed the start finish line to ensure he was just a nose behind Russell and then gave it everything late on the brakes past him. Beautiful pass. Yep. And then two turns later, uh, the old Fox, Fernando Alonso, um, sent it down the inside of the corner. Very classic old school, non DRS F1 driver style. Took it on the inside to pass Carlos signs. Yep. Um, that was beautiful. It, it was, it was totally a love story. <laughs> Yeah, give me a second. Jesus. Give me a second. It was his style. There we go. <laughs> I already used blank space. That would have been a good one, but well, um, <laughs> he came out of the turn and he was like, "Oh, I knew you were in trouble." He smelled the red blood, <laughs> and he knew all too well that <laughs> he could just dive it onto the inside. Yeah, oh, um, signs really just not hooking the car up this weekend at all. Uh, fell back after you know Alonzo took that place. And, um, you know, phenomenal racing on his part. Oh, man, 38 minutes in and, or, you know, 30 some minutes in and we haven't even got to the race yet. We haven't got to the race yet. Jeez. Um, but we can kind of get the rest of the sprint race. I thought was largely uneventful. Um, Yuki Sonoda was the only DNF. Um, the two guys that started off on soft tires ended up really regretting that Norris and Botas that kind of, man, those tires just fell off and yeah. they were screwed. Um, and then, you know, I thought it was interesting. Norris on the softs went into the pits, put on a pair of mediums and went back out. Basically, you know, he was in, I think he was in dead last. Yeah. He was came out behind Esteban Ocon and managed to pass him. But I was really surprised for a track that was likely on race day to be medium hard tire running, um, how much people were willing to go through tires. Um, and so I was surprised to see him go back out, but going on to like the whole, you know, sprint shootout sprint race and it not being a part of the setting starting grid. I think that was a huge change in the regulations with a lot of secondary effects like, you know, Logan Sargent not going out to race. Why would William send him out? Why rush to put the car together to start dead last to right. risk breaking the car again to probably not get any points anyway? There was exactly. no gain. The risk to reward wasn't there. So why go out at all? Um, which you called on Thursday. You're like, I wonder if, you know, people are going to do that. Yeah. And, you know, around a, a more traditional track, I could see that probably happening more often. I think a track like this, you saw a lot of teams like even uh, I think it was Lando. Was it Lando that pitted at the end? You said you know, put the tires yep. on and you're kind of like, why would he do that? Right. But a track like this, you could very quickly have a couple cars, you know, DNF by going into the wall or something happens that's going to shake up the order. Um, I think if you're at like a more traditional circuit, you're probably less likely to you're want Paul to risk Ricard it. with thousand oh, yeah. feet of runoff. Exactly. Like there's not going to be much that's going to shake it up. So maybe you would be, you know, less willing to put your car out there on track, which I think is going to be interesting to see as we go. We've got what five more sprint races throughout yep. the season. So we're going to get a variety of different tracks and we'll be able to see, you know, if at the end, if it's a good format, you know, just based off of this one race, I'm not a fan of it the new yeah. format, but you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. You got anything else for the sprint race? No, that's it. All right, here we go. So race day starting grid as it stands, you're going to have Charles Leclerc in first. Second is Max Verstappen. Third is Sergio Perez followed by Carlos Sainz in fourth. 
Lewis Hamilton in fifth, Fernando Alonso in sixth, Lando in seventh. Well, seventh place. And everybody Lando. else from there. We don't care. Um, <laughs> but that's the starting lineup. And uh, take it away, Kurt. Lando loves seventh place. He's, yeah. That's where he always is. It's All not right, a great so place to love. It's not. You know, he needs to be higher. Yeah. But so starting off. Pretty uneventful at the beginning of the race compared to, you know, the sprint race the day before. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that battle going into turn one. Um, we did see George Russell, or I'm sorry, we did see Charles Leclerc take the lead. But, yep. I mean, I think everybody could see it coming. As soon as DRS was activated, he wasn't going to be able to hold off Checo. Bye-bye. And we saw it, you know, as soon as DRS Max opened up. When he held, couldn't hold off Mac. Max was in first on the... Right, right. Sorry, sorry. Checo had the sprint. Yeah, he wouldn't be able to hold off Max. And just like we, you know, thought as soon as the RS opened, it was almost like he was standing still. There was no chance to defend yeah. off of that. Um, but before we get to all the craziness that happened on lap seven, you use or actually lap six, Lance Stroll comes over the radio and he's I like written down too. <laughs> he's like, Tell Alonzo I'm not going to attack him. And it was like, Okay, we're on the same strategy, basically saying that they're playing the team game. I loved Alonzo's response where he's like, tell him he can have a go. <laughs> he can have a go. <laughs> it was just the most lighthearted, like, oh, he's not? That's cute. You can tell him he can try. Like, you can try all you want, buddy. I, <laughs> I loved it. And it's like every race, I'm becoming more and more of an Alonzo fan. It, it was just awesome to see that. You said it, the Phoenix out of the ashes. Alonzo's been the Darth Vader of Formula One <laughs> since 05, and he has loved it. Yep. And now it's just like, you know, all he needed was, it, it's like, I forget what that old, uh, that old, like, fairy tale is, but it's whatever beast or whatever super pissed off. And come to find out, he just had, like, a thorn in his hand the whole time. And once yep. you pull that out, he's super happy. That's Alonzo. He's just been unhappy because he's been underperforming. And now he, that he's he in really a good car, just needed, um, you know, Aston Martin to come and say, you belong with me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, I need like a bell to ring each time. <laughs> Taylor Swift reference. <laughs> oh man. Right. It's just out of his wildest dreams. Oh my gosh. Anyways, Moving so, on. So lap eight, Albon comes into the pits, which is a super interesting move. Everyone at first was like, oh, why is Albon pitting lap eight? Medium tires going onto hards. Super interesting. Um, but they were so worried about the undercut because the mediums and the softs had been degrading pretty fast, but everyone thought the hards might last. And so from it was a super strategic move from Williams pitting Albon first had the follow on effect. If you saw next lap, everybody mm-hmm. started coming in. They made ev- they threw everybody's strategy out the window. I say everybody, the mid and back field right. really threw out all their strategies out the window because of the undercut threat. And so I thought that was a really strategic move on Williams's part. Um, and just kind of cool to see the game of chess playing live. Yep, for sure. All right. So shortly after that, we had Mr. DeVries. Clipping the turn a little bit too early and putting his car into the wall. It, I'm telling you, it's it's like the spirit or the reincarnated Nicholas Latifi yes. is out here. And so he goes into the wall. And then you saw, so leading up to this, you saw Checo catching up to Max. Yep. And so it was and, getting... And there's like stress in that. Like, oh man, you know, there's not going to be team orders. What's right. What's about to happen. So, And I was... 
pumped. I'm like, here we go. I actually want to see what's going to happen here. And then right after that happened, Red Bull kind of makes a, a weird call and pulls Max into the pits immediately. So I was nerding out on the big screen. I had the race on my laptop on the coffee table. I had the driver camera views and I had them synced so that I could listen to the radio. Mm -hmm. And Max was swearing up in town that his tires were gone. And that's why, um, that's why Checo was catching him. He was like, my tires are gone. I can't hit these times. He was like freaking out that his tires were so bad. And so they Red Bull, pulled him in and they were talking about it afterwards um, with Julian Palmer. And they said, as the race leader, as the first car of the constructors, if it's a one, two, the first guy has the right of way to pit first, because that should give him the advantage coming out to stay in first. You're basically undercutting your teammate. And so they're like, okay, cool. We'll go ahead and put, pull Max in. DeVries went into the turn or went into the wall when Max was coming around turn 12, 13. So he had the whole straightaway to decide whether to pit. I think from the area coverage, they thought that Nick DeVries was going to put it in reverse and continue driving. Cause that's what I thought. Like mm -hmm. they didn't show the full like camera angle showing his tire getting blown off. Like if you just saw the car in the wall, the front wing wasn't all that damaged. The tire looked like it was roughly in the right spot. I didn't really think there was that much damage. Mm. And I think Red Bull made the same mistake. I think they thought that DeVries was going to back it up, continue on, yellow flag, move on, Bob's your uncle. Mm. Well, unfortunately, that's not what happened, unfortunately, no. for Max. Because right after Max comes out of the pits, full safety car. Yeah. And Max came out um based in third place it was checo ferrari max yep. and so all in all not a terrible result for having a pit stop going down to eighth and then everyone diving in you move back up to third but shitty situation yep and now you got to chase down the king of the streets yep and first you got to get by charlotte claire which wasn't too hard but then you no. got to chase down the king of the streets um, oh so then all right lap 14 you got to restart and you got alonzo passing science Yep. Um, and then you had a, a pretty cool pass with Lewis passing Russell into turn one. Mm -hmm. um, and then on lap 19, you had Alonzo coming back over the radio saying to... Well, Aaron, you missed in lap 17 when Stroll hit a wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's tart. It seemed okay. They actually made... It was the exact same spot that DeVries hit. Um, and even the commentators said, you know, man... You know, Aston must have built a pretty tough car because Stroll smacked that wall. I cannot believe the suspension didn't blow apart. Right. It's a tough car. <laughs> like, came over, was bitching about his brake balance and whatever, and go ahead with Alonzo. <laughs> and then you had Alonzo coming over and saying, tell Lance about my brake balance <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. It's working for me. Yeah, that's what it feels to me like. Like you see it in like a lot of the older movies where like the kids in high school and he's he's getting um bullied and then he meets this like new kid that comes from another school and he's like this tough edgy type and he's like, Hey, don't bully my friends. It's Matthew McConaughey <laughs> from Dazed and Confused. <laughs> and I remember at the beginning of the season everybody was like talking crap because Alonzo was like, Oh, Lance is my hero, Lance is a good driver, and everybody's like blowing it off it's like oh he's just saying that because he's the boss's son yeah i actually think that he's like taking him under his wing and yes. mentoring like they've got this mentor mentee situation going on and he says he's becoming formula one's new teddy bear it's, yes. and 
it, maybe it's Taylor Swift. Maybe she's like showing the softer side of of Alonzo. Just she's rubbing off on him. Uh, you, you, you threw that one on me. I didn't have a. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. He's a lover now. There we go. <laughs> um, but yeah. So nineteen. Uh, Alonzo, you know, gives he's you know calls up says, "Hey, tell him what my break balance is." Um, lap twenty, Stroll goes super wide, burning it in. Um, at I think it was turn like fourteen. I didn't write down the turn, but just went real wide, just coming up way too fast to it. And Hamilton blows on by him. Yep. Can't do something like that when you got Lewis behind you. No, he'll cap, he's king of capitalizing on that. I also wrote down at that time. So we restarted the race at, at lap 14, lap 20, when uh stroll goes wide, Red Bull, both Red Bulls are eight seconds clear right. of Leclerc. Yes. They and are the, sailing into the distance. They were lapping roughly a second um faster than Leclerc and this is something I also wrote down too it was awesome to see because I think this is the first time that we've actually got to see the Red Bulls pushing yes because you know Max wants to pass Checo Checo doesn't want to give up the lead so you actually got to see I think the real indicator of their pace and it is frightening how much faster they are than everybody else yeah they were just absolutely gone. And I totally agree. I think they were both pushing hard. Yes. Max wanted to run him down and the minister of defense was not having it. And the coolest part was seeing how they kept showing that turn coming out of, uh, what was it? Turn 15. And Max every time was just like, just shaving the wall, like barely or, or just barely touching or almost touching the wall. Millimeters to have that sort of precision lap after lap after lap like you have got to be getting tired exhausted like your your adrenaline's pumping and just to be able to hit that consistently like that is impressive i mean you got to see a few mistakes here and there checo mm-hmm. uh turn 15 he hit it at the entry of the the turn and then yep. max also had a few but man it was impressive to see the level at which these two guys are driving and they're yes. only making each other better i think it's awesome it's incredible. I th- I have seen I am seeing a fire in Checo that I did not see yeah. previously. I think he truly believes he has an opportunity here for a world championship. He knows he's the underdog, but if you get him out in front, he's going to fight for the win. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen how it played out had Max not been screwed over by the safety car with Checo behind Max and how that would have gone. I was switching the whole time between the two drivers on their radios, and I mean, they were Max actually surprisingly, and I guess it makes sense because Checo's in front of him by a second, was not asking a whole lot of, you know, updates on how fast Checo was, but Checo was constantly getting updates on what Max times were and he was pushing it every bit that he could. Yeah. And we've been seeing that too in, in most of the races. It seems like Checo is constantly trying to see what Max is doing so he knows where he's at. Cause honestly, Max is the benchmark right now. Yep. Um but yeah, man, I I love seeing these guys yesterday going around that track. It was awesome. Yeah, and and remind me when we get to the post race, seeing those guys together at the post race, I thought was really good. Yeah, we'll yep. get to that. So, continuing on, lap twenty three, Russell cannot pass Stroll with DRS. The Mercedes just does not have the straight line speed to get past them. Yep, like and we saw the same Stroll. thing with Lewis and uh, Signs. Yep, he he would get close, but he just not close enough. Yeah, constantly just doesn't have enough. I wrote down lap 27. The Bulls are 12 seconds now, clear for yeah. clear. Yep. Uh, I'm going to lap 30 unless you got something in between. 
Max dropped back to 2.2 seconds behind Checo. He was maintaining like 1.2, 1.3, and he dropped a second back. And he started complaining about his brake balance, which I think is very just classic Max. Um, but he started to pull away because I think that for you know 15 laps, they were giving it everything they had. He was staying right at like 1.1, 1.2. And I think he was just kind of burning the tires down and you know pushing hard. And so he dropped back a second and was complaining a little bit about his brake balance. He should have got that uh, suggestion from Alonzo. He should have. It might have <laughs> um, something really interesting towards the end of, end of the race, lap 43, they start coming up on the back markers. And Checo came up on Botas on the long straightaway and got DRS down the straight to pass the back marker. That put him a half a second gain on Max, who did not get DRS to pass Botas and had to pass him in a different lap. And I was like, you know, that is a kind of interesting conundrum because Max mm-hmm. dropped back to about three and a half seconds, 3.3, 3.4 seconds from Checo. And he had started to creep up on Checo again. Like we're getting towards the end of the race. It's lap 43. So you have nine, eight laps remaining. Max started gaining on him and he'd cut that time down to about 2.7. Checo got DRS and now it's back to 3.3. And I yep. think it, you know, there was just no chance after that, but I was like, man, that's, yeah, like I get it. It makes sense to get DRS to pass the back markers, especially if you're in a more heated race. But that was kind of another unfair advantage. Right, yeah. That was just the nature of the beast. Yep. And even before that, so lap 32 and 33, um, I thought it was interesting then that you know by then they're on 20 plus uh, lap or 20 plus lap old tires, right? Mm-hmm. Max obviously stopped a little bit before Checo, but then 32 and 33, Max and Checo start trading off fastest laps at that point. Yep. Um, and, and Alonzo, and then yeah, Alonzo, you got forty nine and fifty. Max and Alonzo start doing the DR or the fastest lap chicken, and it's just it's crazy that even after pushing for so long, like these hards. I mean, hell, we saw with o- Ocon and Hulkenberg, they're able to push the hards the entire race. Hoko went, he changed tires on the final lap. Yeah, that he went fifty laps on those hards. Well, so did Ocon. We saw he came into the lap or into the pits and almost hit the photographers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that was interesting. It it was wild that even after going for so long and so hard, they were still able to hit off the fastest laps. And then, you know, Max thought he had it, but, you know, Alonzo took it at the end. And George Russell took it. Oh, George Russell took it. Yeah. George George had enough space in between. He stopped through the fresh pair of softs on and went and took fastest lap. So, um, and that was basically the race, man. That that was about it. You know, uh, it came in Sergio in first, Max in second, Leclerc in third, Alonzo fourth, and Sainz fifth, Hamilton sixth, Stroll seventh, Russell eighth, Lando yep. North ninth, ninth place, and Yuki Tsunoda tenth place. Yep. I think that 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 um, I think that that Alfa Romeo's got some pace in it, or Alfa Romeo Alfa Tire, excuse me. Um, it it looked really good. They just need to be more consistent. Yes, they do. Now, overall for this race, you know, I see a lot of people talking about how boring of a race it was. For me, I, I looking back on it, it was not as eventful as everybody would have hoped given the buildup and the Friday and how that went and all and Saturday. But for me, I found a lot of entertainment watching Checo and Max. Like for me, finally, it's like the, the P1 race is the one that you wanted to watch in this race because a lot of the other races, they're just so far ahead. Um, 
But, you know, like we said, a lot of the the midfield, they were having issues passing. There wasn't much going on. You know, kept watching Lando to see what's going on. He was stuck in a DRS train for majority of the race, you know, unable to pass. Um, so, yeah, a lot of the excitement for me came from watching that time gap, that interval between Max and Checo. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. It's It wasn't a banger like everybody was hoping for, but it was it was entertaining. It was. I thought that. So I was super happy when when the race was over. I was I was adamant to watch like the relationships between everyone, and I thought it was great. Max and Checo got out. They hugged each other. Great race. Um, you know, I was expecting Max to be spitting mad about uh, you know that whole safety car situation. He was just like, man, this you know, shit happens. Even in the cool down room, he was. You know, Checo was like, dude, you got really unlucky on that safety car. He was like, yeah, I did. He's like, you know, it happened to you last year in Jeddah. You know, it's yep. just the nature of the beast. I was like, whoa, like who's from Max complaining to George Russell about, you know, hard racing the day before to getting screwed out of first place and being fine with it. Yeah. Like I, I thought that was a super for all of the tension between them. I thought that was a really good sign that. I don't think that there's probably malicious intent between them. I think there's just hard racing, which is what we all right. want for now. I mean, if we're, yes. if they're this close in points and it's four races left instead of only the fourth race, I think you're going to see a, a shift at that point, but it's still so early in the season, but I'm all for it, man. I hope they stay like this back just trade and blows the whole season. Yeah. Um, I thought the interview with Leclerc was kind of interesting. He very much, wasn't happy with uh, like, he wasn't unhappy with the result, but you know, he was just like, it is what it is. We maximized our points. We got third place. We don't stand a chance against Red Bull. Like just very classic. I think championship mindset that like, sure. I got third and I'm on a podium and we actually finished a race and you know, he capitalized on points this weekend, but you know, there is absolutely no chance of him getting a world driver's championship in Mm -hmm. that Ferrari. It was funny. I saw the post race interview. I saw a clip of that. And it was just showing every time the reporters would be like, next question is for Max. And Charles would put his microphone down. And it just kept going over all those. Didn't get one question. Yeah. <laughs> at one point, he looks off at somebody on the side and just kind of smiles and rolls his eyes. He was just there. Just yeah. there so he didn't get fined, I guess. Yeah. that's. Um, speaking of fines, do you see that Yuki Sonoda got fined? For what? For going back out on track after uh, the tire went down the ro- street. They, he limped it all the way around the track. They threw a new set of tigers on. He went back out during the sprint race. Uh, yeah, I remember that. I didn't know that they actually got a fine for that. What was they the got fined for an unsafe release of a car because he was crabbing around like the the car's alignment was off. It was running sideways and shouldn't have been put back out on the track with new tires. And so they got fined five thousand euros. Oh, mm. uh, you know, just. <laughs> But I thought that was kind of interesting. Pretty, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. Um, all in all, you know, kind of a quiet weekend from Aston Martin. Mercedes has a super draggy car. I think that they're really going to have trouble in these fast, uh, in these in these racetracks with a lot of fast straightaways for passing. And I think McLaren took a big step forward. Kind of quiet from them, but they were definitely, you know, back into the midfield. Yep, for sure. Oh, well... Heroes let's, and zeros, and then we have to review our, our predictions. predictions. Mm. All right. Let's start off. Let's go with the, with the zeros. Who are your three zeros for this race? Uh, Gasly. Ooh. One. Gasly did not Huge have a good weekend. Huge fail of a weekend. It was bad. Yes, it was. 
all the way around. Um, I actually, I wrote Gasly and Alpine. I think Alpine as a whole underperformed. I think they got very hamstrung by the single free practice um, with Ocon, you know, being not even going out really during it. Uh, Alpine as a whole didn't do great this weekend and Gasly really didn't do good. Um, weekend to forget for them. For sure. Um, my next one I've got is, or are we going to switch back and forth or you want me to run it down? Yeah, just go over your three zeros. Nick DeVries. Yep. Pretty clear. I think Makes we, sense. I think we beat that one up. And then my kind of off one is Carlos Sainz. Really? Um, you know, the for how good in comparison that Ferrari looked, Sainz did not compete against Leclerc in any way, shape, or form. Yep. I don't think that... Uh, I mean, it was as clear as night and day who's the number one and who's the number two. It's almost an Alonzo stroll relationship over there. Like, I think that Ferrari had an opportunity here and he maximized his points as much much as possible. And I think that they had some decent results, but largely based on the track and some decent driving on his part. But man, if you were wanting to like look good and, and try and prove that you can compete for a championship, Big loss this weekend. Yep, we had that one podcast where we were talking about Charles Leclerc um, potentially not we're not winning a championship unless he moved to Aston Martin, and how and you had mentioned that Carlos Sainz was in the best car he could be in, and he wouldn't be looking to move. And we got a lot of comments about uh, people basically saying that Carlos Sainz is a much su- or far superior driver to Charles Leclerc, and you know what? Looking this weekend, I think the proof's in the pudding. Like Charles Leclerc yeah. outperformed Carlos Sainz in every measure imaginable this weekend, yep. and and it's in my opinion, it's been like that for a long time. It has. Um, so I don't, I don't see Sainz how having can a say good that. weekend and beating and competing with Leclerc is the exception to the rule. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think uh, Charles Leclerc leaps and bounds ahead of Sainz. Yeah. All right. So my three zeros. Uh, one of them is like yours, Nick DeVries. Yep. That's done and dusted on there. My other zeros are a little bit off the wall. One of them is the photographers or yeah. and or whoever released the photographers, which I heard there was an FIA person that's there that releases them that ended yep. up getting called to the stewards afterwards to kind of explain what happened. But that, I mean, understandably, 99% of races, you're clear to go out into the pit lane on the last lap. Nobody else is pitting. but. I saw a thing with, um, I think it was Crofty or one of the other guys. Um, Julian. The guy that wears the shorts. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. I can't remember his name. I, right don't, know. <laughs> I don't remember even wearing shorts. But he was saying how he was a little bit further down. Um, and he, even, he was telling the people in that garage, he's like, hey, we got two cars that haven't pitted yet. Um, yeah. So people should have known that there was another car still coming in. But you see uh Ocon coming into the pits and there's people just standing right in the middle like a rally race and having to hop out of the way um so the photographers there was one dude that almost got was just back to the car i don't know how you don't hear the car coming at you like yes those cars are loud yes it's it's not a quiet thing going on um and so my other one my other zero i'm gonna say is the new sprint format and and we could dive into this we'll probably have another one where we'll dive more into the sprint format for me, it's, I didn't like it. And no. I'm still kind of on the fence whether or not I like sprints to begin with. Um, but I think the new sprint format, uh, it was good to try, but I think that this isn't it. There, there was a lot going on yeah. um, from a fan's perspective. I think it, it takes up a lot of your entire weekend. 
Um, especially for me, I was out of town. Yeah, I was out of town. So I'm trying to, you know, struggle to get back and watch it after the fact. It was just a lot going on. It was kind of hectic. We'll see how it plays out on the other tracks. But for me, this weekend, that was a, a zero. Yeah. Um, all right. On to the three heroes. Who are your heroes? Um, Leclerc. Yeah. It, it, hard not to have him up there, man. Double poles, um, third place finish. Uh, I, I thought it was the absolute best performance he could have probably, you know, hoped for and put on. Uh, I definitely think he deserves some recognition for how good of a job that he did in a car that largely suffers from tire degradation. Um, in a car that's got reliability issues, the engine cut out at one point. I've even got that written down. I believe it was during the sprint race. Um, after the safety car, um, the engine cut Ooh. and it was just like a real quick one, but you know, there just had to be absolute panic. Yep. For sure. Hearing that. Um, I, I was very impressed with Leclerc this weekend. Um, I know you and I kind of hate on him sometimes for not having that inner killer to be a, a world champion, but the dude's got talent for miles. Yep. He sure does. Um, Checo Perez. Yeah. Another one you and I have hated on a good bit, not never for not liking him. I think we've always enjoyed him. The question has been, is he the right number two driver for that seat? And I think he absolutely, without a doubt, proved this weekend that he is. Yeah, for sure. Um, and my last one is Yuki Sonoda. As a hero? Points finish. Okay. He's a hero. He he made some mistakes this weekend. He had some tires that get blown off, but... Um, <laughs> You know, in his defense, I don't think there was a driver out there that didn't hit a wall at some point. Um, I think it just sure. came into how hard you hit it and how well the car was built and, you know, all that other good stuff. Um, you know, he got hit by his teammate. Um, I think that I think Alpha Tari had a really rough weekend and to finish it with a points finish, I think is really impressive and says something again. I, I'm kind of showing a. A pattern here, you know, you and I didn't think much of Yuki going into right. this year and he's really stepped it up. And I think again, this weekend, he's shown that even on a bad weekend points finish. Yep. Hey, it's okay to change your mind. And Yuki definitely, he did improve. He, I think that it's kind of unfair to say that. I think that looking at his incidents, they were just a lot more high profile yep. than everybody else's. But like you said, a lot of people had instance incidents. All right. So my heroes, I have like you, Charlotte Claire. Again, he came into this race with six points and now has 28 points. Yep. So Charles Leclerc had one hell of a weekend. Um, Sergio Perez, again, uh, same thing that you said on that. And my third hero for this weekend, I'm going to give it up to the mechanics because they were working overtime, <laughs> especially when it comes to Alpine, Alpha Tower, and Williams. They were putting in burning the midnight oil. <laughs> so those Hard. mechanics, those mechanics deserve to take a couple of days off before Miami starts. Maybe let them hit South Beach and just, you know, enjoy the fun in the sun for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, the mechanics are my third heroes over this weekend. Yeah, that's a fair one for sure. All right. And now the predictions, the predictions. We're almost done, folks. Stick with us. <laughs> All right. Do you remember what you had? Yes, I've got it written down right here. For the okay. sprint race, I had Max Verstappen on pole. Or for the sprint shootout, I guess I should say. Yep, so did I. Um, so zero points we, there. We was wrong. We both got zero points. I had the ending race sprint race result being Alonzo Russell Leclerc. <laughs> zero points. Zero points. Okay, so for that, the sprint, I had Max P1, Alonzo P2. Hamilton P3. Yeah, zero points. Zero. 
uh, for GP quality. I had Max on pull. I had Checo on pull. Yeah. <laughs> Goose egg. For uh, podium, I had Max in P1, Lewis in P2, and Checo in P3. That would be zero points. Okay. My GP podium, I had Checo in P1. <laughs> Give me a point oh, for that points. one. And then I had Alonzo and Russell. (laughs) (laughs) And then we both had the same wild card that Ferrari would score double points. That's a win. So I got one point. I got two points on that one. Yes. Formula America. Doing better. The entertainment, not the accuracy. (laughs) Oh, man. man. I think longest podcast yet, but what a weekend. Oh, yeah, for sure. And now we are only a couple days away from Miami. So we'll be back in a couple days doing a prediction for the Miami race. (laughs) Um, We'll see how that goes. See how that goes. Uh, We've got, let's see, Miami. Then we've got a week off. And then we got a triple header, which is going to be interesting, which is going to be fun. I love it. More content. Um, So we'll be back for that as well. Whew. So if you can get a count on how many Taylor Swift song references we had in this podcast, make sure and send that to info at formulaamerica.us. <laughs> if you like the podcast, make sure you leave us a rating and a review. If you got a chance, it really helps us out. Uh, what you got, Dylan? I'm looking for a Taylor Swift reference, but I can't. <laughs> I don't uh, know enough of her songs. Had to be ready. I had to. I wasn't ready. It's like I'm 22 again. Mm. Um, With that, stay classy, America. (laughs) We'll see you next time. (laughs) I caught the first, the first, uh, I thought I caught the first one, but I guess I didn't. (laughs) Bad blood was my first one. Okay. Then I heard something else. I was like, I know what you're doing here. (laughs) 